Our theme for this month is embracing self-care. Stop, breathe, step back, right? And last week, Reverend Ruth Barnhart gave such a beautiful message about balancing grief and joy as a way of taking care of ourselves. And I was sitting right there taking notes on my iPhone, but she was saying so many wonderful things. And I looked around and I saw some people using the little handout we use. We make this so if you're a note taker and you forgot your journal at home, you can grab this on the way in and take notes if you want to for the message. So I thought I'd let you know about that. It also tells you what the topics are in the coming up weeks and who's speaking and all that sort of thing. It's quite a nice resource. So um, she was talking about the importance of making the whole range of our feelings and experiences welcome. And not just focus on the pleasant feelings only. And some important points that I felt were significant for me is this. Feelings, your feelings, my feelings are real. But they may not always be accurate. Because of the tendency of the human mind to add meaning onto what is happening. And also the tendency of the human mind to create meaning when there is no information. <laughs> so I've learned, especially when I'm having difficult feelings, uncomfortable feelings, rather than push them away, I've learned instead to think of them as an invitation to look a little closer, to look a little deeper, to think of them as a compass that's showing me the direction to something that is very important. And now here's the way I do it, and you may have your own way. Number one, stop and take a breath or two. I mean, literally, I do it like this. If I'm particularly activated, I do this technique. You might recognize it's three stages. It's remarkable. Once I do that, I now have the second step of sensing where am I experiencing this feeling in my body? whatever it is, the anxiety, the fear, whatever it is. And wherever I feel it, because I can usually feel located somewhere, and then I direct my awareness, my attention to that place completely, and I witness it. Now, along the way, I've learned not to act not to take any actions, not to send any email, not to have any important conversations, not to make any decisions until I have gone through this process of stopping, breathing, witnessing what is going on in my body. And when I can press that pause button and breathe, 
and witness, it acts like, well, I'm interrupting for a moment the flow of that feeling or whatever is distressing me. Not denying it, but I'm pausing and I'll even ask myself a question as if I were talking to the feeling like it's a person sitting next to me or in me. I'll ask, what wisdom do you have for me? What are you concerned might happen? And then I listen to my own self with as much compassion as if I were listening to someone I love very, very deeply. And typically when I do this, my whole nervous system tends to soften down, calm down. And then in that calm down state, that's when I can turn to one of the five practices that we study at the Center for Spiritual Living. Now I can do an affirmative prayer. I can speak one out loud or I can write one out in longhand. Or if I don't yet know how to do one, I can use all the resources online to hear one read by somebody else or spoken by somebody else. Or the other technique of meditation, contemplation, sitting quietly in nature, walking in nature. Or then I can do selfless service, get up and do something for someone else. Or circulation, one of the, one of the methods of circulation that works in a moment like this is making a gratitude list or sharing whatever you whatever good you have. And of course, the fifth one is spiritual study, and that means turning my attention to learn something, whether that's through a class or even reading a, a book for, that's entertaining. <laughs> now, this methodology is not the same as blocking out the bad feelings or bypassing or ignoring challenging situations because it starts with acknowledging them and listening to them and embracing them. I remember once I was having a particularly difficult time with something and it was very emotional and I became, I felt a lot of anxiety around it um, to the point where I had identified myself as the anxiety. Have you ever done that? And I called a trusted friend and said, I'm going through a very bad experience, a bad time. And these feelings I'm having, um, they're so intense that I can't function. Do you know what I mean? And I remember what he said to me. He said, Edward, function. Uh, Excuse me? He said, yes, function by directing your attention to self-care as best as you can in the moment and do it in small steps. And if you do, everything will reveal itself to you in its time. And I'm listening to this. He was inviting me to take care of myself right at a moment when I felt like I couldn't. And to do so, with small, manageable self-care steps. And he explained it to me. He laid it out to me. He said, I want you, after we hang up from this call, to go and take a shower. How did he know I hadn't showered? He said, I want you to go and take a shower, and then I want you to get dressed nicely. 
And he said, and then I want you to get something to eat. And then, and this might be the most difficult part of all, I want you to do something that typically causes you pleasure, even if right now you cannot imagine that it would do so. I want you to just go through the motions. I was astounded. He was asking me to feel all my feelings and at the same time, the very same time, take small self-care actions. Oh, that helped me so much. Because, I don't know if this is true for you, but for me, when things aren't going well, I have the tendency to get stuck. I freeze. I can get paralyzed, stuck in my thinking. I become the problem feeling. What a difference that exercise made for me. Like It didn't save me from having to face the challenge I was facing. But by introducing this self-care in small, pleasurable ways, it brought balance into my system so that I could face the challenge. I know that pleasure by itself cannot save me from the world. Pleasure by itself cannot make me whole. But it is as important as embracing sadness and grief and all of the complex feelings, especially because of the tendency of the human mind to gravitate toward negativity. It's known as the negativity bias, which is the human tendency to notice and dwell upon negativity. In me, it shows up when, well, I can remember difficult experiences better than I can remember positive ones. I can recall criticism better than I can recall praise. I react more strongly to negative experiences than I do to positive experiences. I think about negativity and negative things more frequently, frequently than I do about positively framed experiences. I make decisions based on negative information more than I am inclined to make them based on positive information. I'm just not me. This is profile of tendencies well studied now. I'm talking about probably likely you too. (laughs) So early on in my career as a prayer practitioner, you heard Chandra talk about it. A prayer practitioner is something like a spiritual coach. And there is a pathway for anyone who wants to become one. And we have um, uh, scholarships for you to do so. And we're gearing up for it. It's a beautiful thing to study for yourself, even if you never become a licensed practitioner. It's a life-mind expanding field of study. Anyway, early on in my career, I would see clients on a fee-for-service basis, and they would come to talk to me about something they wanted spiritual coaching on. And sometimes I would notice a very strong self-criticism coming through them as they were talking. And so I used this technique. I would get out a pad and I would make a big deal of taking notes. I would say to them, I would like you right now to give me a list of all of your faults. And I would write every single one down and they would come out fast and easy and I would be like, fill up the whole page. Then I would put that list down. I'd pick up another pad and I'd say, all right, I'd like you to now give me a list of all of your finest qualities. Oh, this was much slower. 
not fast at all. They had to dig. It was almost like they couldn't find one. And that was the evidence that I could feed back to the client. I could say, look, it's more challenging for you to list your best qualities so that is the area that you need to bring forward to create balance in the system. Now, I wasn't saying to the client, your faults aren't valid. I was saying, like, particularly like in my case, I also have to mindfully bring nourishing, pleasurable thoughts also, I have to feed my body and my mind and my soul with pleasure as well, because pleasure is as important as all the other experiences. And when I say pleasure, I mean joy, contentment, peace, delight, creativity. And it's very important for me to mindfully make space for that also. So here are some techniques I have learned to mindfully make space for pleasure when my mind is troubled. I've gone over a few of it. Number one, stop, interrupt the negative self-talk uh, by establishing a relationship with it. Not to annihilate it or to stop it, but to witness it. Number two, to reframe the situation by asking myself, hypothetically... Could this situation I'm in mean anything else other than the meaning I have given to it already? And sit with that. And then number three, to establish new activity, a new pattern. Like, for example, get up and go for a walk or listen to music. In the Embracing Change class that just completed, the students had a 30-day challenge every day to set aside time to listen to music for 10 minutes. Because you know how long it takes to establish a new habit, more than 21 days. And so the students were doing it and reporting a terrific shift in their inner sense of peace. And then the fourth technique is this, and it's the most important one, to give extra attention to any pleasurable moment I might have. This is super double important because of my negativity bias. Because I have the ability, and likely you have too, to quickly transfer negative thoughts and feelings into my long-term memory. So I have to give extra attention to any good thing that happens in my life. Now, the neuropsychologist, Dr. Rick Hansen, he did a TED talk about this. And he said that when something happens that is pleasurable or good... Stay with it a little bit in your mind. Let it linger. Dwell on it. And he gives an exercise in the TED Talk. It's something like this. Call to mind an experience that made you feel safe. Or if you prefer, call to mind somebody who loves you. Now, think about it. Dwell on it. Go over the pleasant details Take a whole minute to do it. 
And this way, he suggests, we are weaving the experience and the feeling tone of the experience into the very fabric of our brain. So what he says, he says we are literally changing our brain and adjusting our bias towards negativity. Hmm. Now, in our spiritual language, we would describe it differently, but it's the same thing. And I've been doing that. I've been doing it. And in my experience, it is something that increases my tendency to look for and notice those pleasurable experiences. (laughs) I was in San Francisco with a friend. We were talking, and he said to me in the middle of the conversation, Oh, Edward, darn it. Do you have to put a positive spin on everything? (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, Really? I do that? Oh, you should see the rest of what's going on inside me. I'm not all happy and peppy and positive all the time inside. Oh, no. I have to face my demons just like anyone else. But I'm learning to dialogue with them. I use all the tools we teach. I'm fully aware that pleasure, happiness won't make me whole all by itself. But without it, I'm missing an important creative spiritual ingredient. So, I have learned not only to create experiences that cause me to feel pleasure and joy and delight, but also to dwell upon them. I've learned to give those experiences extra attention because I already know how to dwell on the negative very well. I still experience the whole range of emotions. Fear, anxiety, worry, envy. You name it, it's there. The difference is that now I allow myself to feel it without identifying as it. In other words, I'm witnessing that I have these feelings, less and less investing in it, and more and more looking at it. So again, let's unpack the system I use. You may have your own use. Number one, I'll say it like this. I get present with the sensation, where is it in my body? Now focus my attention, my awareness on the sensation rather than on the story and the meaning. And that alone can create the needed space for me to breathe. And then I breathe. Right down to the bottom of my feet. And I breathe again. Full breaths. And I stay with the breathing until there is space. And then when there is space, I can go on with one of my spiritual practices. And then when I'm done with my spiritual practice, I follow up by doing some small act of self-care, something pleasurable. Now, sometimes... I feel like it's confession today. 
if I'm strongly activated by anxiety, for example, do you ever get strongly activated by anxiety or whatever it is, or worry or anger or some nervous energy or some nervous thinking? There are four things that I do that can help me regulate my state of mind so that I can do my spiritual work and my breathing and all of that, right? Sometimes I've got to do something else to get there. And so I activate, I engage my touch, my smell, my movement, and my awareness. I'll tell you what I mean. Touch. This for me is a rapid, calming practice, and it's very pleasurable to touch something soft, squishy, comforting. For some people, it's a stress ball. In my case, it's often a blanket or a fabric. I also engage my touch by splashing cold water onto my face. It's well known as a technique to regulate the, sense, the nervous system. Or I give myself a hand massage or I wash my hair. Try it. Next, smell. If I can, I get outside. Oh, just a while ago I was at Point Reyes walking outside smelling the California Bay. That will regulate you. Now, if you can't get outside, you can be indoors, and then you can squish and scratch the rind of a lemon, a lime, or an orange, or a grapefruit, and it has the same effect. Or you can burn incense or aromatherapy diffuser. But that is a way to regulate the system so you can have the space to do the rest of the spiritual work. The third thing is movement. Maybe I can't get outside for a walk. But I can move around the house, especially to music. It's called dancing. And I only do it in private, and it's miraculous. You know, if I can't get outside to walk, I can walk inside. Now, I'm not talking about rapid, frantic pacing. You know, I'm talking about slow, mindful steps around the room or around the house, around the entire house. And sometimes I use that to notice the things of the house that cause pleasure. And sometimes as I'm walking around, I'll put things in their place. Sometimes it's valuable just to stand up, get up, stretch. The last one is attention. I engage my attention by using my imagination to the best of my ability in that activated state. To imagine myself beyond this experience I'm having right now. And so I catapult forward, not too forward in time, look back and imagine myself as happy, connected, calm, curious, creative. Whether I know how to get there or not, or whether I can even believe that it's possible, I just invite myself to try. If I can't do that, sometimes I create a bucket list of things I still want to accomplish and experience in life. And sometimes I've carried a journal, a notebook around with me the entire day to write down everything I'm acknowledging and appreciating and grateful for. You see, I just want to make sure you understand that people, not every, we all face the same things. And the commitment to do the work to get back on track is significant. 
You know, the bravery of the average person to make it through a day. I honor that. I just want you to know we all go through it. Small actions add up and help solidify the beneficial presence of pleasurable things in my life, and they help bring balance to my systems. I want to ask you today, what small action can you take that will make space for self-care in your life? Now, here are some areas in my life that I'm looking at in addition to my spiritual and emotional practice, okay? You ready? Physical self-care. Sleep hygiene is at an all-time low in the United States of America. So I'm practicing winding down by reducing pre-sleep screen time. Mobility and exercise, I'm recommitting to it because I'm working out, but I don't walk around as much as I'd like to. Third, eating well. Not just eating well, but also making time to share food with other people. I'll talk about that in a moment. Breathing and drinking. I've put a reminder on my smart device every morning. It reminds me, breathe. (laughs) Drink a glass of water. Here's what I've discovered. I can go for a whole day without doing either one. Here's the other area, the emotional self-care. Make a date with myself to do all the things I know how to do, but don't do them. In other words, schedule journaling. You have to carve out time, Edward. Or speaking with a trusted friend. Don't say, Edward, I'll do it when I get to it. Schedule it. Schedule time to listen to music. One of the things the students and I discovered in in the change class was that as we started to make 10 minutes to listen to music, I started to become interested in listening to, remember listening to whole albums? You know when you'd sit down and put the album, the vinyl, and you'd listen to the whole thing? I've been doing that again. Schedule time to reconnect with the loving relationships in my life. Got to make time with it. It's an effort. And not only, well, it brings pleasure. And here's another one for emotional self-care. It's sort of in the creativity area. Make art. Not to produce a masterpiece, but to open that valve of self-expression. Oh, it's so powerful. Long before Chris and I worked together, we were friends. Well, we still are friends, I hope. Um, And we used to hang out together. And one of the things we did is we would do combined art projects. We would put a canvas between us and we would start painting randomly and have a timer. And then we would turn it one quarter and just carry on. And so you never knew what was coming your way. And it was so much fun and so much feelings came up. And I do confess there may have been a glass of Chardonnay on the table. (laughs) And I noticed he still has one of the paintings in his office. Ask him to show you. It's just so much fun. It's not a masterpiece, but it opened up community connection and creativity. The next area I'm looking at is social self-care. Balancing my need for time alone with my need for time with other people. 
you'll hear about our softball team. You can pick up a flyer saying when their meetings are, and Mondays you can be there. I'm talking about making time for people, especially if you're an introvert. I've been making time to invite people to my home, to feed them. And I'd forgotten how wonderful that is. Because it's forcing me to learn. Do you remember that thing? What's it called? Cooking? <laughs> it's allowing myself to get creative and risk making something that's bad and laughing with it, with friends about it. Another thing I can do and we can do is go to be with others, like on our Wednesday evening service, show up. Or like today. Today, after the second service, I'm going to go to Brew Coffee Shop. You know Brew Coffee Shop? It's on 555 Healdsburg Avenue, and I'm going there to have tea because I want to express my support for the coffee shop because it was recently vandalized because it's LGBTQ-owned. So that gives me joy. Show up. It's a form of service, a form of connection. I'm going to go buy me a cup of tea, that's all. They're open till 4 p.m. Maybe I'll see you there later today. I'll be there around 1 o'clock, and we can just talk about bad recipes. <laughs> so I invite you now to take a breath in and to exhale and to let everything be where it is. There is only one life, the life that is being lived by all, the life that gives expression to all, to nature, to beings, the life that is in every dimension and every time and space. I call that life the divine the all-inclusive, all-knowing, everywhere-present spirit that is animating me and each one of us right now. And through this prayer, I am identifying myself as part of it, one with it, one of it. And as I do so, I realize that it is in me as it is in all beings as a seat of compassion and creativity, a, wa a wisdom. And dipping into it then today, I become confident that there is that within me as it is within every person that is aware of itself and ready and able to guide each one of us into wholeness, into self-expression, into compassionate connection. And so I give myself over to that and give thanks in advance for the effect that it has not only upon my own inner system, but upon the world. In deepest gratitude, I release this word into the law of mind that responds with an affirmation and acceptance. And so it is. <laughs>